Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Just like I knew... This starting impact ups and downs was a good idea. How I knew this, I don't know. I knew that putting Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show on a Wednesday would eventually pay off down the line. And here we are on the 9th of December 2020. And boy, howdy. I mean, it's just worked, hasn't it? Because Impact Wrestling, whoever thought we'd start a show like this? Impact Wrestling is in the books from last night. But it wasn't Impact Wrestling. It's now what? AEW meets Impact. AEW versus Impact. We have promotional wars going on. And as always, it's created the biggest controversy of all time, which I actually don't get. I actually don't get. We're going to talk about it in one second. But first of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you very much for downloading this. Thank you very much for streaming this. Thank you very much for letting the voice of Simon Miller into uh, into your lives. Also want to give a quick shout out to everyone that's supporting me on Patreon.com at the moment. Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Got a bunch of nice messages. A few people just threw a dollar in this week and even said, Simon, I'm, I'm sorry, it can only be a dollar. I was like, man, you still went out of your way. You took your time to go on that stupid website and throw a dollar my way. It honestly does mean the world to me. It does. It does because you're hard-earned money. And in 2020, earning money has been harder than ever because of the global pandemic. So I wanted to make sure I did a shout out before we get going. Also, shout out to pinsandknuckles.com, always supporting the show as well. But yeah, let's get into the controversy. Now, all... I get it's a vocal minority, and I get that the majority of people don't actually care because there's no reason to care. But the biggest criticism I've seen about this invasion is that AEW are massive and Impact are this small fish, small fry. Why the hell does Tony Khan want to want with them? Oh, boo-hoo, wahey, kick me up the next seat. Who cares? <laughs> like, Unless you are directly involved with the business side of AEW and you're not a fan, you can be both, but let's say you're not. I don't understand why this has become such a talking point. I find it absolutely baffling. Like, you're allowed this opinion, and if that's how you want to watch wrestling, that's cool. But the way that I saw it is just any kind of... When you take two promotions and you have invading factions, it just is interesting, right? It is. You've seen independent companies do this, and as long as you're invested in the characters and the storylines, even on that small scale, it's really fun and it's really exciting because you don't know what they're going to do. Like, Kenny Omega being on Impact felt like this is a massive deal, because deep down you're like, well, he's not meant to be there. He's an all-elite guy. Why is he on Impact? So, I just, I find it baffling that that's the, the hill we've chosen to die on. I mean, wouldn't we rather have this kind of a thing happen than not, because maybe one person benefits more than the other? And I don't even understand how you can get behind that either. Like, I can come up with loads of reasons why it's great for AEW. One, it's fun. And they're giving something to the fans. And we're always going on about other companies not doing that. So surely that should uh, rise up to the top of the list. But also, AEW has this crazy big roster. Like, it is really, really big. Just go and watch AEW Dark. I swear Dark used to be half an hour. Maybe it didn't. I can't remember. Either way, Tony Khan is now talking about dividing Dark up and having like a developmental Dark and a proper stars Dark, which is even more nuts. But that doesn't even take you so far wrestling with the same guys. So if you can start using Impact as a, as a way for them to get their reps in, especially during a pandemic where we can't go to indie shows and, you know, you can't work that many matches, then that does help All Elite Wrestling. They can then start wading through their talent and going, who do we want to push? Who's ready? Who's not ready? Who needs more work? It just makes all the sense in the world to me. And again, talking about last night's episode, there, there were two standout moments. And of course, it both involved... Three, technically. And of course, it all involved the ongoing question about what the hell's going to happen. I love the NWO. I'm calling it NWO-esque. Maybe 
I shouldn't be saying that given how the internet will react. But I'm calling it NWOS, you know, the Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone paid advert, which also nicely tied into the storyline because, you know, if you want to make the argument, won't Impact accept that? It's like, well, because Don Callis is directly involved in this and pretty much own Impact. And as Scott Damore made clear on the show, he's well up for this. He thinks it's going to help the promotion massively. So seeing all that was awesome. Tony Schiavone is always great. I thought Tony Khan played it perfectly. And just because he's in that role didn't mean that, you know, you could have put him on screen and he could have been really awkward for all. You know, I thought he was really, really good. Uh, the threat to buy Impact, I thought, kind of summed up that character nicely too. But he didn't come across like a parody of himself either. I mean, I don't know Tony Khan, but he just came across like a dude. And I think that was really, uh, really crucial. And then the Kenny Omega Don Callis interview was just, I mean, the amount of depth in that. You could swim through it like Scrooge McDuck. Like you really, really could. You had the picture from the Kenny Omega interview a few weeks ago on Dynamite, which turns out to be the Sheik, someone that trained Don Callis. We talked about Don Callis meeting Kenny Omega 27 years ago. We talked about Jericho versus Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm missing a bunch of stuff out. But it made you feel like this was a genuine plan that they had been concocting for the last five years or so, right? Or 30 years, if you want to go on to what Don Callis said. And whether it's true or not true, obviously not true, but it makes the whole thing feel even more legit. And I know personally, I was really able to suspend my disbelief. And then finishing that all with the sort of the two T's, which is that Kenny Omega is going to become the belt collector. So maybe he's just going to go around to, maybe he's going to become NWA champ, Impact champ, New Japan champ, who the hell knows. I always like that gimmick. And it's been a while. I can't even remember the last time. I guess it would have been Austin Aries or maybe Robbie Lashley do it. I can't remember. The point is in terms of on a massive Western promotion, I can't remember the last time I saw a belt collector gimmick. And it works with Kenny Omega properly because after months maybe even a year of people saying oh you're not the same Kenny Omega he's now properly snapped and he's gone nuts but he also just set up dynamite for later on where he goes oh, I got a massive surprise tied it into Lex Luger because they were on the bus who the hell knows what it's going to be and he's going off to AAA at the end of the uh, end of the week to defend his uh, the championship he's got there I can't remember what it's called it just kind of like, when you have all this it's like the Marvel Universe right which may even be where this was inspired from when you have all these connecting dots and it feels like you shouldn't have these connecting dots, all of a sudden this wrestling fan club feels even more special and exclusive than it did. Like you must have seen all the Spider-Man 3 news recently with people saying, oh, Tobey Maguire is going to come back and Andrew Garfield and Kirsten Dunst and Emma Stone. And they've already confirmed that, um, I can't remember his name now, but the actor is going to be replaying uh, Doc Ock, which he did in Spider-Man 2. It will come as soon as I finish his podcast, but I won't look it up. And, you know, we don't even know what the story's going to be, but seeing those universes come together, once again, it's just, oh, wow, I'm so happy that people were able to agree on this because it feels different and it feels special. And while I know it's happened a lot, I certainly feel like it's been so long since we've had a narrative like this. I am super pumped up and I'm super excited about it. And I know, Simon, you're always super excited about stuff. Yeah, well, more, I win. <laughs> because I'm always having the best time ever. I'd much rather that than crap on everything. And as I always say, you're allowed to crap on stuff. You're absolutely allowed to crap on stuff. Like, if it's not for you, it's not for you. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but I don't understand the the vitriolic hatred for it. That's what confuses me. Like, some people are so mad about this, and they think that it absolutely sucks. I'm like, I don't get that. And look, it may suck. You may be right. We may get six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks down the line and go, well, this isn't working. But I'd always rather we tried. Because if we don't try, we end up with Raw this week. I, don't, I hate doing the comparison because I do like all the shows. And I want WWE to do well and AEW, Ring of Honor, boring, boring, blah, blah, blah. But this week's episode um, kind of stood out because it just felt like a repeat of the one before. And I'm sure that's because we're kind of skating towards TLC and maybe there's 
plans for the Royal Rumble and we just need to get there. But again, as a fan sat on my couch, that was my big takeaway. And the Miz and Morrison are back in the main event. I do like everything with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I think that's tremendous stuff. It really, really is. Like the way that WWE is treating their main guys at the moment is thumbs up all around. Like Roman and Jey Uso and Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens are just on fire right now. That stuff is awesome. But Drew McIntyre feels like a really strong champion. And the addition of Sheamus as a friend who beat the hell out of each other afterwards was such a good tease. When it happened, I was like, that's how we're doing this breakup. Because, you know, I guess we were playing with wrestling tropes. I just assumed we were going to do what we always did. But then when they slapped each other on the back and went, right, you know, they dealt with it like brothers would do. I mean, idiotic brothers, but brothers all the same. It just felt different. It made me like them as a pairing more. I kind of hope that maybe we do hold off on this just a little bit longer. Like It's probably going to be the Royal Rumble. But I actually hope, I mean, not WrestleMania. Or you could do WrestleMania, depending on what the situation is. But I wouldn't even mind if we held it off to SummerSlam, like a Bailey sasha Banks situation. And we've proven that can work. And I know some people roll their eyes, but you will invest more if, you know, Sheamus continues doing what he's doing. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think they'll probably have a match at a Raw Rumble. On the subject of Sheamus, though, I do think he's massively underrated. I think when he's gone, we'll look back and... I think he got off on the wrong foot with a lot of people because obviously he beat John Cena in that tables match, which I loved. Again, time when you love everything. I do, it's true. But I enjoyed it because it felt fresh and it felt exciting. And it you know, automatically said to me, this guy's a main event player. Like the Goldberg documentary airs on WWE Network, which has caused uh, sort of a load of wrestling journalists to discuss the streak. And I find it baffling that, well, I mean, Abe's what WWE did in 2003 when Goldberg came in or 2004, whenever it was. You know, they were like, well, we can't, we can't treat anyone like that. He has to know how to work wrestling matches. I'm like, what a stupid way to think about things. It worked because it worked. So if it worked, just do it, right? If somebody comes in and smashes 180 people and doesn't lose, fans will go, that guy's really cool. You need to have the aura and you need to be able to pull it off. Like you couldn't give that gimmick to everyone. But it's the same with Sheamus. If he comes in and wins the belt, I go, all right, he's a world title contender. Why do I think this? Because of what I've just seen. The problem was everything else we did with him. We don't need to get into that right now. But yeah, point is, I do like the Drew and uh, Sheamus stuff. Kind of feel like we the, the money in the bank this year, again, hasn't been one of the best. You know, it's been tossed to Otis, to The Miz. And I just don't believe he's going to win. And even if I got proven wrong, I don't really want The Miz to be champion. And I don't like all the comedy. I don't think it's, uh, I just don't think it's the best. And Retribution feel like a lost cause. I like the New Day and the Hurt business and the, the addition of Cedric Alexander being a maniac has helped. But again, it does feel a little bit like copy and paste, copy and paste. And as I mentioned on Ups and Downs, and a lot of people have come at me for this, which is fine. And I really like Randy Orton and I really like The Fiend. That's another conversation going on right now. How good actually is Randy Orton? Because uh, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez had this discussion on, on, on Wrestling Observer. Uh, I, I, I really like Randy Orton. We're not going to get into that here. And I really like The Fiend. You know, I think Bray Wyatt is one of the most creative people we've had in wrestling for years. But some things don't just, some things don't click. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that it sucks. But again, as a dude watching it, I was just like, this isn't for me. I don't know why it's not for me, because I like a lot of the hocus pocus in wrestling. Like Kane is one of my favorite characters ever. But this one just, maybe it is the character of Randy Orton, because it didn't really work when we did it with the um, sort of swamp Bray Wyatt either, the cult leader. And I like I like using the environment that we find ourselves in. So doing the switch from uh, Firefly Bray to The Fiend at the end, it's fun and it's different and it's creative and it's a way to get out of that match, I suppose, although I do hate non-finishes. But I sat there and I reacted to it and I was like, yeah, it's fine. But I, I still don't want to see them have that match at TLC. And the other problem with TLC is that everybody's having TLC matches. You know, stipulation pay-per-views have... Well, I just think they're past their sell-by sell date because 
Hell in a Cell no longer feels special because we just do the matches. And it's the same with TLC. Like, at least Kevin Owens had the, the decency to say to Roman, I want to have you in a TLC match. But when it comes to AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre, unless I miss something, it was just a commentator saying, oh yeah, that's going to be TLC. Roman Reigns, oh, sorry, um, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles doesn't need to be TLC. That's a match that I can't remember ever seeing in WWE. It's two guys with really, really cool defined roles. Just let them wrestle. And then, you know, you're probably going to have such a good match that you could contemplate extending the feud, although at the moment I do think it's going to be a one and done. And if you do want to do it, then maybe you can do a cage match, a TLC match, a ladder match, whatever the hell you want to do. But it's still good. Like I'm not against it. It's still good. It's just the... If anything, I think the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton match probably would have benefited more from the TLC spin. I just don't really get what they're fighting over. I mean, it's mostly that The Fiend was getting involved in Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton segments and then stopped. And then Randy Orton attacked Alexa Bliss, who wasn't on Raw this week. She's away filming some stuff for uh, some Hollywood project or, or some revamp of an 80s TV show I'd never heard of. And look, that's awesome. But you have to come up with a reason about why she wasn't on television. And maybe the commentator said something and I, and I didn't hear it, but it did, it did leave me perplexed. But that was just the odd thing about Raw. It was, um, yeah, Riddle and Bobby Lashley, I quite like as a pairing for the United States title. But the Riddle character is interesting. I, it makes me laugh. In spite of myself, <laughs> but but laughing is laughing, right? So it's doing its job, but I do understand it's it's got a very definitive ceiling. And I think that's kind of underlined by the fact he's going after the United States Championship and not being put into the main event picture just, just now. And it's not like you can't rehab that. You take someone like Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was a bigger goof than this. And there are similarities. I think Kurt Angle was the better wrestler, but... You know, Kurt Angle was an idiot on the outside, and then the inside, nobody was better. And Matt Riddle has good matches with everyone. It's rare you see a bad a bad Matt Riddle match. And I do like the whole thing with... What I really like about the Hurt Business is that they have about four different stories going on at once. I think that's really cool. So you've got everything with the New Day, but on the other side, you've got MVP and Bobby Lashley as this force trying to protect their championship, and now it's Riddle that's interjected himself into it. But I do understand why the character is, is divisive. Um, and it, again, it, does it make me want to see him be successful? No. But I am entertained by it. I had no idea why Jeff Hardy was fighting Bobby Lashley this week. I know that he beat Elias last week, so I suppose that would put him in good contention. But it would be so much better if they had said that before that Symphony of Destruction match. Like whoever wins here gets, you know, gets X. Although Elias was on main event this week, last week, whenever. I can't remember his name now. Jackson Riker, the guy that caused an absolute stink on Twitter. He was paired with him. Now, this has happened before. Like EC3 was paired with Dean Ambrose once, and that didn't go anywhere. Uh, sorry, with... Um, uh, uh, I'm going to call him Spud. That's not Drake Maverick. And that didn't go anywhere. And it certainly does sound like it was just to test the waters. But that was bizarre. Even more bizarre because the other two from the Forgotten Sons, my brain is just not working today, they popped up on SmackDown and they were Baron Corbin's backup. Now, I think that's a really, really cool use. I mean, they came out looking the same. They came out as henchmen. It was slightly frustrating that I was able to identify them. Not now. Uh, but Corey Graves and Michael Cole were absolutely baffled by this. That was a bit weird. But surely we have to use this now to move Baron Corbin away from the King gimmick and make him a leader of this, I don't know what you want to call it, give him some henchmen or whatever, and really, really double down on it. Because there is untapped potential with Baron Corbin, especially when you go back to NXT with his lone wolf gimmick, which I really, really, really loved. The King gimmick only works if we keep doing the King of the Ring. It doesn't sound like we're going to do that. Also, again, everything's got a shelf life. It's just the nature of the beast. I think we're past that now. If you turn him into some badass and you give him dudes to protect him, 
you can never have too many factions in wrestling, like in my personal opinion. Because you don't always need to shine a spotlight on them, but it gives you friends, it gives you allies. And when you look into real sports, you know, even in something like boxing, boxes come from a camp. And within that camp, there are other boxers. Same with MMA dudes. And, you know, you often go on Twitter the nights of fights and they'll be going, oh, go get them so-and-so because, again, they're a team. And I think you can do that in wrestling too. I just think we need to do it right. And we need to start pushing the end of days more. The end of days is one off, if not the best finisher in the WWE. I don't care what you think about Baron Corbin. He has a badass finisher. And sometimes that can be everything. Of course it can. And I don't think anybody's ever kicked out of it either. But we need to start making that into a story. We should turn it into the Undertaker streak, just on a much shorter scale. You know, for a year, we should be going, oh, end of days, end of days. Nobody kicks out of end of days. And then at WrestleMania 38, that's what I'm talking about, not next year, WrestleMania 38, somebody kicks out, you make a big deal of it, and baboon, bahay, you've made somebody. That's the kind of things that we should be putting in there. But I like it. The only disconnect is that I'm meant to hate these three, and they're far more likable than the Mysterios and Buddy Murphy. Because they, I mean, after last week when they just... There is no reason for Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio to get involved as much as they do. But they don't care. They're like, no. <laughs> and I get it. But I think I think that the, the major problem is Buddy Murphy is still a guy that tried to rip out Rey Mysterio's eye. This is not a good this is not a good person, but we'll see how it develops. And then like I can say Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens is just fantastic. Some people didn't like that he turned on Jey Uso at the end, and it should have been uh, KO and uh, sorry, Jey Uso and, and Roman beating KO down. I was like, no. No, like it's far more this has got far more depth than that, right? It ties into the, you know, Kenny Omega winning the belt last week too, which we'll talk about. You could have had Kenny Omega beat John Moxley. One, two, three, he celebrates and you're done with it. And it would have worked. Of course it would have worked. The same way that Kevin Owens being beaten down by both the, the family members would have worked. But trying, I'm just talking about trying things different again. Trying things different are always going, you're always going to, it's risk reward, right? When you try something new, you're potentially going to get bigger rewards. And I think we definitely did that last week with Kenny Omega. He can easily win the belt down the line and just win a match. This is something far bigger than that or arguably so, potentially so. And it's the same with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns beating up his cousin, who he's meant to be buddies with, or he's trying to be buddies with, and absolutely failing because he's a nut job. It keeps Jey Uso babyface. And I don't think he's turned, and I don't think he's meant to have been turned. And I think eventually he will get some kind of uh, respect or whatever. Well, it doesn't have to be for a while. So that's massively important. But it also makes Roman Reigns such a better all-round character. Of course that is what he would do. He's bonkers. He's absolutely lost it. He thinks if Jay Uso loses matches, that's disrespectful to Roman Reigns. That doesn't make any sense. It's why the Paul Heyman role works so well. He doesn't do much, but he's so scared of Roman Reigns. It's almost like, man, I shouldn't have got involved with this dude. And now I don't have to get out of it, which may even tie into Brock Lesnar coming back and doing something there. So I much prefer doing things like that, even if it doesn't work out. I thought it gave it much more depth and all those words that, that I use all the time. So yeah, massively enjoying SmackDown. Raw... I think Raw just has to get through to the new year when we start building to WrestleMania. Although AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre is a great top program. I'm not going to argue against that. And AJ Styles is consistently good. He's so good that I now really like Omos as well, or whatever the hell we're calling him. I don't know why I like that guy. But when they did the jumping high five at the end of the match, I just laughed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like the women's tag team scene at all, which I hate saying because I don't like to be negative. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just makes no sense to me. Like, I hate the fact we've taken the women's champion... And we've just blurred it all in because I think it diminishes both belts. I mean, Impact Wrestling did it great last night. They had Deanna Parazzo and Kimberly. Of course, they entered the tournament because they want to make sure the significance of the titles is there. But they lost. And now they're going back to fight on Sue Young, which is always meant to be the focus. 
it's just a Lana storyline. Like Lana has a has a breakdown when she realizes she has to fight Nia Jax next week. Uh, Oscar somehow tries or does get her confidence back up just by saying, "Well, I don't think you should be like this." And Lana goes, "Aight." But then she turns around and sees Nia Jax and breaks down again. And then when you're having the match between Shayna Baszler and Oscar, which I wanted to see, and it ends with those two fighting outside the ring and the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. You're just like, what is the point? Like, what is the point? And what happens next week? Does Lana beat Nia Jax and they lose at the pay-per-view because we're doing that tag team match? And let's say that Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler do retain their titles. We haven't built any other teams. And why don't we have a feud for the women's championship? <laughs> I don't know why it annoys me so much. It just does. It just feels lazy. It feels lazy and it's like we've got these four people and we'll just go around the houses. It's why I didn't mind the Bianca Belair thing on, on SmackDown, which I found out I was completely incorrect about. But hey, it's good to know these things. Maybe they didn't sell it as hard as they should have done, but I just like the fact that Natalia won because Bianca Belair was on commentary and that was enough to, you know, disrupt Bailey's mentality and she taps to the sharpshooter. I get maybe she's lost a bit too much given that she was the champion for so long, but I thought it fitted her character and I thought it started a, a new feud, personally speaking. I'm not saying it was the best thing I'd ever seen in my life, but I wasn't as enraged as some people were. But again, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, we've mentioned Retribution. I mean, talking about random tag teams, Dana Brooke and Ricochet. I know it was me a year in Reckoning that took out Dana Brooke, but I mean, how can you have a storyline of, of Ricochet potentially joining this group when who the hell would want to join this group? <laughs> like, who would want to join this group? I wouldn't. They suck, which is a shame because everybody in it is so good and they lost again. Uh, and I don't get this Keith Lee stuff, the whole, oh, Seamus, you're going to turn on, on Drew. So like, why do you care? What difference does it make to you? It's been made quite apparent that Drew McIntyre can take care of himself. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. At least there's lots of things that we could do, I suppose. I do think things will pick up when we get to January. And, of course, throughout all the shows, we had these tributes to Pat Patterson, which, I mean, I think are up there with some of the best tributes WWE has ever done. Kind of makes sense, given that um, Vince McMahon has said many a time that Pat Patterson was his best friend. So, you know, that's kind of heartbreaking. And, I mean, it really, to me, underlined especially the kind of... Uh, I mean, we talked about this last week. If you want to check it out, check out last week's episode. But just the sheer impact that he had in wrestling, be it as a wrestler or as a behind-the-scenes guy. Pretty damn incredible. And, yeah, all the stuff they did, I thought, was... Um, it was moving. It, it, it truly, truly was. So I suppose we'll move on from that next week, as we always have to do in this crazy thing called life. But, yeah, I certainly was like, man, that's, that's nuts. And uh, talking about NXT, too, on the, 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 the tribute being over all the shows, yeah, I thought War Games was fun. It wasn't the best takeover I'd ever seen. There was way too much shenanigans at the end of that Johnny Gargano match. But, I mean, takeovers now are fitting into a, a formula, and it's certainly not a bad one, which is basically really, really good wrestling, and if you have a stipulation, everyone will try and kill each other. Um, yes, the women's one went a bit too long, but I still thought the ending was really, really good. The men's one was bonkers. Why nobody caught Pat McAfee, I don't know. Also, man, that dude... I, I can't have been wrestling that long. And even still, he, he's not a wrestler by trade. Got to be one of the best celebrity crossovers we've seen, right? Surely. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand. I don't understand it at all. Uh, if you are listening to this on Wednesday, this evening, you've got quite a crazy dynamite. Apparently, they're building up to another big show in a couple of weeks. We've got New Year's Evil in the first week of January for a for w, uh, NXT. And I think the week prior to that, or maybe the week prior to that, so two weeks, AEW wants to smash another big one. And it kind of feels that way because tonight, you've got Sting speaking with Tony Schiavone, which I cannot wait for. Like, that's... I haven't talked about Sting, have I? Sting... That was one of the best wrestling moments in years. And a huge portion of that was because it hasn't leaked. I don't mind spoilers so much, but it's always better when you don't know. But the presentation, the aura, the atmosphere. Oh, 
my flipping word. I just thought it was the best. And then my brain sort of did mental gymnastics. and was like, oh, it's a bit like the Dark Knight Returns. And there's yet more nonsense in wrestling and Sting has to come back. He did it with the NWO. He did it with Triple H and the Authority. Didn't work out so well. And now he's going to do it in AEW as well. Yet more criticism. I don't want to see a 61-year-old wrestle. Irks me massively. Let the 61-year-old decide what he wants to do. My word, I think he's earned that right, that privilege. If it all goes wrong, yeah, sure, you can sit on your high horse. But I'm not going to sit here and speak for Steve Borden. I think Steve Borden should be able to make his own decisions as uh, as a man, as an adult, as a human, as part of this species. So always, I I mean, do you really think he's going to come in and win the world championship or beat Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Of course he's not. That's not how you use a legend. I, I don't know how anyone could watch. I got goosebumps watching that. I was overly emotional, which makes me a massive loser and a massive nerd and a massive geek. I ultimately accept this. But the music to everything about the presentation was just spot on in the snow. I showed it to my girlfriend who does not watch wrestling, doesn't understand it at all. And she had no idea who Sting was or what was going on. And even she went, well, that felt special. Like, even she could feel it because it was one of those things that you just feel. And I know I sound like an absolute moron right now, but I don't care. I am more than happy to have Sting as the legend in AEW that kind of wrestles occasionally. If he wants to have a singles match, go for it. If he wants to have a tag team match, go for it. If he wants to have cinematic matches, go for it. I'm pretty sure he knows his body. Also, first off, you're a long time retired. Secondly, he didn't have the best farewell in WWE, so it's probably nice if he does something. But also, imagine that you're 61. You don't know what you're going to be doing then. Do you want to get to 61 and have a bunch of assholes <laughs> telling you you're not allowed to do this thing anymore no you can have your opinion and say you're very worried about it but it's up to him i hate this whole it's the worst thing i've ever seen in my life no it is not and also we don't all he did was get a win-loss record on aew.com internet breaks down oh he's gonna wrestle oh i can't believe it oh he's got spinal stenosis like your stings doctor and you know maybe i know you never really get over spinal stenosis but maybe he can take a few bumps maybe he's gonna be a tag team match maybe he's just gonna whack people with his bat Maybe he's going to become the general manager. I have absolutely no idea. And if we have to sit there here in a year and go, man, Sting really shouldn't have done that match. He's all screwed up. It'll be devastating. But it won't be devastating because he tried. It'll be devastating because a person got hurt. I just, I swear, I don't know, I'm ranting and raving now. Oh, well, it's halfway through the podcast. People drop out, audience retention. But I just, why can't we just have fun sometimes? Why has fun been eradicated? You're not allowed fun in wrestling anymore. Now it always has to be, well, how does this make sense? What does this mean? And where's this going to go? Just enjoy the moment. I've watched that Sting thing about 10 times, and I'll watch it 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 plus. It's, it reminded me about why I love wrestling so much, and I can't even tell you why it was so good, other than the Dark Knight Returns thing, which I will, that's another hill I will die on. Um, I can't wait to see what he says with Tony Schiavone. And Tony Schiavone go, it's Sting! Which turned out was um, Tony Khan's request. He was like, you got to do it, much like he did 20 years ago. Nostalgia is a powerful thing. And even then, I know that's not true too, because I know of people that have only just started watching wrestling who saw this. and like, what the flip is this guy? And that also reminded me about when I get back to wrestling, I should absolutely start painting my face. I need to come up with some kind of cool design. Because my word, does it just hide your age? Or <laughs> either way. Have you seen Sting for 61? If I look half as that, half as good as that at 61, I will be a happy man. I'm not going to be able to walk down the stairs at 61. I have appreciated this. Absolutely appreciated that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it's just... 
crazy. So I look forward to that. MJF versus Orange Cassidy for the Diamond Ring after the Battle Raw last week, which I also enjoyed. I know, surprise, surprise. I would, I mean, you can go either way with this. If MJF keeps it, it allows him to be a bigger asshole. If you give it to Orange Cassidy, it makes perfect sense. He'd have a terrific year. I don't really think him walking around with a Diamond Ring says much. And maybe you do give it to MJF. I like this, though, because it kind of feels like two guys who have smashed it in 2020 are now going to get a really good blow-off match that's going to have a spotlight shone on it. So I'm all about that. Uh, Young Bucks are taking on the Hybrid 2 in an untitled match of the Hybrid 2 win. They get a title shot. Very weird last week when the Acclaim just arrived. Like, you had to go and do some research to understand that, which I get was a little bit like, what the flip are we doing here? Completely behind it. But look, AEW, I suppose, both respects and maybe overestimates its audience because they assume that you'll be watching everything. And even if you are, you still need to explain it like you do. And um, I mean, we'll see where it goes. It'll still be a great match. You know, the Young Bucks are, are absolutely ridiculous. Dustin Rhodes versus The Dark Order's 10. Uh, maybe that ties in something to do with Hangman Page. I don't know. We've got FTR coming back to the show. Take on the Varsity Blondes, which is Brian Pillman Jr. And my man Griff Garrison. Always shouting out Griff Garrison. They've kind of got the same haircut too, so that will work. And we also have Lance Archer, Penta L Zero, Ray Phoenix versus Eddie Kingster, The Butcher and The Blade. Don't know why Pac isn't in that. I mean, I get it because Lance Archer broke up that thing a couple of weeks ago, but it seems weird that Pac has just vanished and maybe they're building to it. Uh, Abaddon's going to be in action to build up with her match against Sheeda. And of course, we get the ultimatum to the inner circle. Is Chris Jericho going to break the group up? I'll probably say no. That was the other thing with Winter is Coming. Everything served its purpose. The Diamondite, the Diamondite, Dime, can't say it. Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal, already talked about it. The Chris Jericho Frankie Kazarian match allowed us to build to this. And we had that cool thing with MJF and the towel and pretending it was Sammy Guevara that wanted to throw it in. Um, the Britt Baker Layla Hirsch match, I just enjoyed for what it was. And obviously, it tied into the feud we're going to do now with Thunder Rosa. The Sting stuff with the towel. That whole Team Taz thing was great. Team Taz are awesome. I probably would have had them win, but who cares? And everything after it, it's probably my highlight, even compared to the main event. But the main event was still absolute fire. Like 35 minutes of pure wrestling. John Moxley, what a character he's turned himself into. Kenny Omega is always good. I don't care what anyone says. I think he's the best wrestler in the world. I love the whole gentleman's agreement thing, which Kenny Omega went back on in his words because of everything that Don Callis, uh, what happened to Don Callis, who he sees as a father figure. But of course, we know that's a bunch of bullshit. And I don't know, I mean, now I suppose we should find out who attacked John Moxley backstage and then he could go deal with that and Kenny Omega can go on to something else. Or you can do the rematch at Revolution in February. Both work for me. I just thought it was such an exciting show. I do think Winter is Coming is my favorite show of 2020. A lot of that is because of Sting. I know, moron. So I need to really, in a couple of weeks, we'll do the, uh, we'll do the end of year episode and I'll... I'll go through it and try and figure out, because there are certainly other things, like the Boneyard match I really did enjoy, but I don't think it had the same... Because the thing is, you, in terms of a show, you do have to take it segment by segment, and I was absolutely buzzing after the Sting stuff, and then I had that match with the impact twist at the end. So it was that kind of one-hour run where I was like, man, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it just felt exciting, and it felt different, and it felt like it was surprising me. But you do have to take it, you know, the, the way that it's... Um, the way that it's put together because it's been that's probably why they did it and you can't say that it was fluke because there's stuff going back to sort of months ago that they're now that they're now touching on so but look maybe it is what do i know as always jack shib as i always tell you um nxt i know that finn Balor's going to be on it but i don't think there's anything else announced i say as i quickly scour the internet to see if i can find anything no i just think i mean you're gonna have to fall out from both war games matches we're probably gonna do something with io shirai and raquel gonzalez which is fine with me that's all good 
so, yeah, I mean, they seem to be... I think it was kind of a shame. I mean, going into ratings, which I don't care about, obviously AEW smashed it, especially with younger people. And given it was a go-home show for War Games, NXT was okay. But they'll be hoping to get some fallout, I would imagine. But I don't know whether they will. But I hope that I'm wrong. As I always say, I want everybody to do well. I don't see the benefit of only one company doing well. And the other thing is, if everyone's doing well, when wrestlers' contracts come due, they can ask for more money. And why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want wrestlers to be well taken care of? If you don't, you are a very, very strange person. I think that's everything that happened over the last week. Uh, Im- impact. WWE is leaving Thunderdome 1, and they're going to Thunderdome 2. It's going to be in a baseball stadium, I believe, because the Amway Center is going back to doing basketball. If you've seen the stuff online, it's going to be exactly the same, which is probably fine. It's working. They haven't been there that long, so I don't think we need to, to, get, um, to, to get too crazy with it. Uh, there's rumors now The Rock's not going to be at WrestleMania. Surprise, surprise, doesn't surprise me. I think the three people that were suggested for Roman Reigns were Big E, Daniel Bryan, or Drew McIntyre. I think there was somebody else, and now I can't remember. But it's all about the build and the story for me personally. You know, it depends what you do with it. You could take Otis and make him into a super big deal if I truly believe what I'm seeing. I don't think we are going to do that before people go crazy, but you certainly could. And otherwise, yeah, everything is just, everyone is just talking about impact, especially taking shots at poor Josh Matthews. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh. I think it's horrible. I think, imagine if that poor guy saw it. I do not think he's as bad as people are making out. I think he's okay. He's not my favorite wrestling commentator in the game right now, but I think he's okay. Also, I went back, somebody posted a clip on Twitter of when Josh John Moxley debuted in AEW. I think Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and Excalibur are far better now than they were they were then. I think they're on a flipping roll. I truly do. I uh, it's not all good, and some of the things that JR says do make me go ugh. But yeah, they they've definitely come a long way. Um, and CM Punk, we should talk about CM Punk. Got back in the news doing the oral sessions with Rene Paquette podcast. Said a lot of things. Um, I mean, he did talk about the whole unionization thing and why Zelina Vega can't have a switch, a Twitch, but Xavier Woods is allowed to do G4. It certainly does sound like the reason Xavier Woods is allowed to do G4 is because WWE has licensed the character of Xavier Woods to do that. It's the same reason why he has the Up, Up, Down, Down channel. That's owned by WWE. So I think that's the difference. Not that I agree with it, by the way. I've made my points on this very, very, uh, my feelings on this very, very clear but referencing one of the headlines that got taken. Uh, also made a joke about the Thunderdome and said if it's going to be an authentic experience, they need to pump in CM Punk chants. Liked it, made me giggle. Uh, and he also said he could come back to wrestling. He'd need a shipload of cash, although he did say that he regretted that afterwards. But mainly, it would be about a good story. And I will tell you this, my friends. Sting is back, Impact versus AEW. If they were able to find a way to plug CM Punk into all of that, maybe because of a Ring of Honor time, I don't know. I mean, that's really pushing the boat, to be honest. Who the hell knows what would happen? I don't care what you say about CM Punk. He still, even with his backstage reappearance, he still is an absolute, well, he's a fascinating character. Like he does this podcast and all I saw all day was people talking about CM Punk chants and all my casual wrestling fans sending me quotes. I was like, I know, I've listened to it. It's kind of my job. That makes me sound like a dick too. So I, I think if he ever did pop up, do I think he's going to go to AEW? No, I don't. I think he's done with wrestling. But I think if he ever did come, I think it would cause the world to melt down although Britt Baker was talking about guests for her waiting room show and somebody said CM Punk and he responded with that Cody ear gif maybe there is something going on here I doubt it and I think it's so easy to get excited about this stuff because again we want to get excited about this stuff but I um I don't know I'd love to be proven wrong in this sense CM Punk would create more buzz and as I've learned from the last seven days buzz in wrestling is just a flipping best thing 
in the world. Like it truly, truly is. Also called everyone that worked at WWE corporate bootlickers. <laughs> so he is still as uh, still as outspoken as possible. Also, actually, before we do leave and answer some questions, again, get him in at Simon316. Just check out the Twitter, usually on a Wednesday. Uh, there was an article from uh, SI, Sports Illustrated, about Sting and uh, the reason why he wanted to do this. And it was mostly because he didn't enjoy how he was used in WWE, which is kind of ironic because the reason he never went to WWE is because they didn't think he was going to use it. They didn't think he didn't think they would use him very well. He was right. I think it just comes down to the fact that Vince McMahon doesn't see much in Sting, which he's perfectly allowed to do. I don't agree with it. But it's why, I mean, Sting has come out and said he wanted that cinematic match with The Undertaker. But that's not how Vince McMahon sees it. Probably because he didn't create him, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Again, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. I don't. I think Sting is amazing. Even though I was a WWE guy back in the day, I still, still watch WCW. We all did. You know, if you say otherwise, well, you're just taking away your own entertainment. But uh, yeah, the last thing we should mention is the Twitch numbers for Impact were ridiculous. Go and find the graph. It's somewhere on Squared Circle or somewhere else. I can't remember where I saw it. The graph about how many people tuned in compared to last week. And that's good. More wrestling programs being watched. How can you get mad at that? Oh, and the other big news is that Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch had their kid. And it's called Rue. And I was like, oh, it's going to be called Rue Rollins. And then I remembered his name is Colby Lopez. And that I'm a massive wrestling mark. Uh, I don't like to say more than that because it's quite a personal thing. I think it's nice to congratulate them. But other people went out there and said really strange stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's a normal thing to do. Uh, but let's move on <laughs> let's move on from that and let's ask some questions thank you as always for everybody who did get in touch uh, again Simon Miller 3 at, oh, at Simon Miller 316 on Twitter and Instagram uh, come follow my YouTube channel too just search for Simon Miller I'd appreciate that one day we will return to Twitch twitch.tv forward slash Simon 316 who the hell knows when so you could probably ignore that one if I'm completely honest uh, SimonMiller.BigCartel.com if you want some merch for Christmas or Hanukkah which starts tomorrow and uh, yeah patreon.com forward slash Simon of 316. If you want to support any of my personal works, that's how it's done. If it one day vanishes, this podcast will too, because I'd have to go out and find other work. Uh, we will start with Crusher, who says, if you get to choose two wrestling promotions to promote an event like WrestleMania, what would those two promotions be? And what would the main event of the cross promotion event? Oh my God, I mean, what a question that is. Well, it would be AEW and WWE, because they're the ones I watch the most. And I would do Kenny Omega. Well, I'd actually do Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan. But if you wanted to do Kenny Omega versus Roman Reigns, that's fine. If you want to do Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins, that's fine. Secretly, I'd like to see Roman Reigns versus John Moxley because it made me laugh. <laughs> uh, but that, that's what that's what I would do. I think that's the most interesting interesting one. And Kenny Omega is the guy, uh, from a singles perspective anyway at least, who would be most fascinating in WWE. Because I've seen Jericho, I've seen Moxley, I've seen Cody. Whereas having that kind of dynamic with Kenny Omega, who knows what the hell he would do. And as I've said, and I will always say, I think right now he's one of the best, if not the best wrestlers in the world. Not very G. Is there a move you could never do but really wish you could or make it about another wrestler like Marco Stunt should F10 people? <laughs> um, well, anything that's kind of technical or submission-y. Sometimes when I'm training, not for a while now, but you see people just, you know, like Zack Sabre Jr. wrap their opponents up like a pretzel. Like, How the flip did you do that? And it always looks cool. Like it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's something you want in your arsenal because being that smooth and having those kind of moves... I just think uh, it just makes it look like you know what you're doing. And I'm not that coordinated. I should really just clothesline people. But even then, my clothesline suck. I know this because the internet tells me all the time. Although that video I'm referring to, my clotheslines did suck. But it's my first ever, like, match. What do you think is going to happen? I'm not Kurt Angle. Uh, Life of Riley said, I can't decide whether I like the Tony Khan spot from Impact last night. Will you tell my brain what it should think, please? Well, I liked it. 
And I liked it because it made sense. I like it because it continues this feud. You don't just want it to be Kenny Omega and John um, uh, Don Callis. You now want it to bleed through everything, which is why I appreciated when Tommy Dreamer and Scott Demore were talking about it. And the thing I didn't talk about earlier, when Rich Swan was banned going in the parking lot because the real world champion was here. Shout back to 1991. I would have got rid of the Josh Matthews thing because I thought having your commentator allowed to go past just because he was going to do the interview and not your world champion really made Rich Swan look like a goof. And he's not a goof. He had that really good tag team match moments before hand uh, but that's why i like the advert it's now permeating both shows and impact should do something tomorrow in aew you not, not you life of riley but you know people in general may not like it but we need to start taking these shots and really come revolution we probably need some kind of match nothing too much you know you can eke this out it's not a wcw wwf situation um but that's what i would do but what do i know bald idiot on the internet ollie clement says if you hosted a dinner party with five wrestlers from any period who would you invite and more importantly what are you serving well bret hart would be one stone cold steve austin would be another one uh rick flair would be another one the undertaker oh, that's kind of lesson now because we've heard so much from him but still and then my fifth one would be well vince mcmahon it's not that original, is it? That's really boring. That's like going, what's your wrestling Mount Rushmore? Well, it's The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I mean, it's true, but we've heard it a thousand times. And what am I serving? Well, with that, you know, line up, chicken, chicken and rice and broccoli. That's what they're going to want to eat. No, steak wraps, because I think you want to appease Vince McMahon more than anybody. And he likes steak wraps with ketchup, as I've been told. But absolutely... <laughs> Just give him some steak wraps. I want to have this dinner party now. I don't think I've ever hosted a dinner party. I've gone to them, not this year. I don't think I've ever hosted a dinner party. Not my bag. BP, hopefully the petroleum company. Presuming that Sting is going to wrestle for AEW, what kind of match would you like to see him in? A big six-man tag, a singles match, or a cinematic match, and against who? Uh, I don't mind about the other three. I think we should let Sting determine what he wants to do there, because if he feels like he can do a singles match, that's what I would want. It would feel bigger. It would feel more special. In terms of who against, I don't mind you doing the Darby Allen thing as long as Darby Allen wins, especially for the TNT title, which obviously means something given that Sting was on WCW. Um, Jericho T something, not massively interested in that because I think there's more fascinating matches you can do with younger talent. I don't. I mean, Darby Allen makes the most sense. But if you want to do Sting versus Cody, I'm being hypocritical, but it's because I know that Cody's favorite wrestler as a kid was Sting, and you can tell that story so well. And also, Cody does story matches, so I think that would be awesome. I don't think it massively benefits Cody; he doesn't need it, whereas someone like Darby Allen would. Um, but I also think Sting needs to win some matches. You can't bring him in and then have him lose straight away because you take away his aura, you take away his legendary status. So he does need to have a match with someone important that he beats. Maybe that could be Jericho. I don't know. Uh, Sean says, if this Impact AEW thing continues, would you like to see, who would you like to see from the both promotions face off against each other? Well, I think the Moose is going to win the Impact World title soon, which I think is a good idea. Um, maybe not actually because Rich Swan's a better baby face. Either way, I'd like to see Kenny Omega versus either Moose or versus Rich Swan. Actually, probably Rich Swan would be a better match. Although I do like Moose. I think he's been rehabbed really well. I think that's kind of just a bizarre thing. Sammy Callahan versus John Moxley would be well up there because they're kind of the same person in terms of how they wrestle. Um, their women's division, Deonna Prazzo versus a Britt Baker or Thunder Rosa. Probably a Thunder Rosa because Deonna Prazzo is a heel too. That would be good. Or Shida, sorry, I should say. That would be awesome as well. I'd really get into that. And when it comes to tag teams, if you're going to do the Good Brothers versus the Young Bucks, I can't believe anybody wouldn't get into that, especially given the history between the two. You could always plug the FTR in there as well as some kind of wink, wink, nod, nod to the WWE. There's loads of good stuff you can do. 
which is why I'm excited about it. And Josh agrees because he says, what's on your potential watch, watch list with these companies? Mine would be Moxie versus Callahan. There you go. Young Bucks versus Good Brothers. There you go. <laughs> Sue Young versus Abaddon. That's a good one. And Shamrock versus Wardlow. And then either Hager, Archer or Cage. Ken Shamrock, I didn't even think about plugging him into AEW. Look, if you want to have an Archer beat a Shamrock, absolutely. Shamrock should not win that match. I like Ken Shamrock, and I think for a guy in his mid-50s, he doesn't make any sense. But he cannot be beating guys like that. However, it would be a big... Lance, I don't know why... I know you've mentioned Wardo, Hager, and Cage. There is something about Lance Archer beating Ken Shamrock, which works for me in my head. Uh, also, what of Tessa Blanchard in this? I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I don't think she's going to... I think she's probably headed to WWE. There's rumors out there that AEW aren't interested, given that she did end kind of bad terms with Impact. I doubt they're going to want anything to do with her, because why would you? I'm going to assume she goes to WWE. The Gentleman Baker. Who would be your five-on-five five in an Impact War? Impact AEW War Game style match at Blood and Guts, if that's where we're headed with Mox and Kenny as the head of each team. Well, I would do John Moxley, Sting, I know, calm down, uh, Cody, Darby Allen and somebody else I can't think of now because my brain isn't functioning. Who would you do? There's another guy screaming and I can't think. Well, I'm picking four for now. And I guess you would do it against... Oh, you can't do it with the bank. bank. Hangman Page would be the other guy actually on the other side. It's difficult with Kenny. I think Kenny would probably have to recruit Team Taz. I think it would probably have to be... You can't do Lance Archer. He's moved away. Uh, he feels like more like a face now. I think you'd have to do Kenny, Brian Cage... Wardlow, MJF, and somebody else? I don't know. I need to sit down and look through the roster to that one because that doesn't actually make any sense from a storyline perspective. Uh, I do think we'll do something like that. And maybe that's the match Sting should be in and get the victory because there's more than one way to do it. Jarvis says, uh, what are you wanting for Christmas? <laughs> Anything in particular? Well, without wanting to sound like that asshole, which means I'm going to sound like that asshole, um, I don't actually ever feel like I need anything for Christmas. I tell everybody this. I'm just not a very materialistic person. I hate saying that because it makes it sound like I think that people that are are bad. No, possessions are awesome. And there's nothing better than being excited for stuff to come through the post. That's just how I feel about Christmas. I'd rather everyone was happy. What a loser. Mike says, do you think it's ironic that in DX's 2000 run DMC theme, Mike, this is brilliant already. There's a line that says, for all you sample happy suckers out there, breaking the laws when in fact they themselves are sampling the original dx band I'm not gonna lie mike i massively appreciate what you've done there i have no idea what that means <laughs> i'm gonna say yes you're 100 percent right because i like the inventiveness in the in the question people tell me this aew impact thing was crap that's all people want to talk about shamika says do you think that aew and impact do an invasion angle not to merge the brand but to give us matches made in heaven from both promotions personally i need to see moose versus miro in a no holds barred match well that's a great shout straight away i think it was done because tony khan knows that interpromotional feuds can work when done right and also i truly believe this and i could be wrong and you can laugh at me i think he just wants to excite wrestling fans i think he is a wrestling fan and i think he looks at it and goes well i'd enjoy impact and aew going at it so I'm going to do it because I have a wrestling company. So he's basically being a child and being a child is the best way to be. As a kid, he called his fake wrestling promotion Dynamite. Hence why AEW is called that. And I love all of that. That's the way you should do it. It should be passion. It should be fandom. Just how I feel. Cheap says, what's going to main event WrestleMania 37? And what main event would you book if I was in charge? Well, I booked The Rock versus Roman Reigns. But I don't think it's going to happen because of COVID and because of insurance and because now The Rock is behind on every single one of his projects, including Black Adam, which was meant to come out yesterday. I think it's going to be Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. I think that WWE officials were very pleased with that. 
otherwise, I think you could put Daniel Bryan there. That would work as well. If you want to do Big E, I'm not going to argue with it. Um, you could do Sheamus versus Drew, but I don't think it would main event. I think Roman Reigns will be in a main event. And yeah, like we said earlier, I think his options are Daniel Bryan, Big E, Drew McIntyre, The Rock. I don't know which way they're going to go. I can't see The Rock. Uh, Alex says, which impact wrestler would you like to see Omega work with most? That's a good question. Uh, they're going to be somebody I forget now. Probably. I mean, Rich Swan would be in there. I like Rich Swan. I don't. That's a, I, I can't, that's a really difficult question. For now, I go Rich Swan. There'll be somebody else. Francis Reyes, my man, says, uh, "What do you think of AEW's ad on Impact last night? We've talked about that. I thought it was awesome." Uh, Matt says, "I fear WWE are changing Drew McIntyre into McIntyre hits the Tron, just has McIntyre and the commentary team are referencing it more and more." What? really irks me when they do a name change oh you think they're just changing him to mcintyre right if they're going to do a name change and change a character too i mean i don't think they're just going to call him mcintyre maybe they, I, don't, I don't care about name changes i i it doesn't bother me i get over it pretty quick like riddle all right like i just like whatever it's silly and there's no need to do it but there's far other things i need to worry about dylan what if the miz won the wwe title and daniel bryan won the royal rumble would you like them to see them go back to their previous feud no it didn't really work when we did do it i kind of feel like it was of its time awesome when it did happen but i think this is one of those occasions where you don't need to go back to it there was a moment wasn't able to happen because of daniel bryan's current situation move on as good as it was Jer says, with the reports of AEW's plan to have Sting wrestle, what matches would you like to see him in and with who? We've kind of touched upon that. Michael, do you think the success WWE has had with Roman turning heel will finally give faith to do the same with Cena down the line? What would it take for them to get the response they desire? Maybe against a babyface edge for his last match. Well, I actually think that John Cena has evolved now. He's got to that point where because he's not around and because he is considered a legend, you don't even need to do that. I think he's always going to be respected. If people chant Cena sucks or boo, I think it's going to be the ironic sense, the same way we did the you sucks thing with Kurt Angle. And I just don't think we need to do it. I think it would be contrived. Um, you know, the Roman Reigns thing, you can make an argument that we should have turned him that night after he beat The Undertaker. I think that would have been awesome. I think it would have changed WWE's fortunes in many ways, given what we're seeing now. But it kind of ties back to the Daniel Bryan and The Miz stuff. There is time to do it and now is not the time i don't want to see john cena come back and be a heel that doesn't excite me i just want to see john cena and that's that it's different to when the rock came back from hollywood because he was still transitioning but the world is very very different to where it was then and also john cena he's already transitioned he's already done all of that so no i don't think so ronald says did you know that marco stunt can sing i did i've heard him on bte and other things a lot rob says now the impact on aew seem to be working together yeah we've done that one i get why you're asking it guys but uh, i've done it same with super mad jam uh Dari says how do you rank the gargano champa food in my in my opinion it's the best at least in the last decade well, I didn't like it as much as you. <laughs> I don't think it's the best of the last decade. I liked it a lot. I think those two guys are amazing. Uh, I don't understand why people are desperate for them to leave NXT. Like people stay on Raw and SmackDown all the time. I don't think they're going to benefit up there. The only issue they had was injuries and never really being able to tell the story that they wanted. But that's out of their control. And that just comes down to, you know, what wrestling brings. But it was awesome. And it was great. Wasn't a massive fan of that cinematic match. I think, again, I think it came at the wrong time and after too many other things. But still, great work all round. Cactus Neutral says, who was the best worst person you've had to work with? Um, I'm not going to do worst person because that wouldn't be fair. Best person. Uh, well, early in my fifth ever match, fourth ever match, I fought Nathan Cruz. And my word, I mean, he carried me 
to a, <laughs> we'll use wrestling vernacular. He carried me to a three-star match, <laughs> uh, which doesn't sound great, but I knew nothing. And I'm sure it was not great for him. But for me, again, all on him, all his skill. It was, uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. And otherwise, I mean, there'll be loads of people. There's a wrestler called Bullet, who I always enjoy working with. Again, very, very giving. Always, you know, goes out of his way. Uh, Lester Reese would be the same. Uh, I hate doing this because there's guys I'm forgetting now. My man Jordan, he smashed it with me. Uh, David Francisco, who I haven't got in the ring yet, but he helps me all the time too. Oh, there's so many people. There's so many people. And I, I regret doing a list because I would have forgot someone now and I'll, I'll kick myself in the in the face. Uh, Dari also says, who is one wrestler everybody loved but you never understood? Jeff Hardy. And it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't, understand that he was a great wrestler because i did it was you just have to watch it but some people had such a crazy connection with him and i just didn't not a bad way just wasn't my guy same with jericho it took years before jericho became one of my guys i just didn't get it well no i got it but it just it's that instinctive thing it doesn't mean i thought they were bad um but then i uh yeah i just something happened and it clicked i think a lot of people had that with eddie guerrero and i was late to that too it kind of went from eddie guerrero is really good to eddie guerrero is the best in the world and we all kind of made that jump at the same time probably as he figured it all out more in terms of characters and he really was he was awesome philip what are some pros and cons you can think of with this impact aew partnership and do you think other promotions will be involved in the future well i'm sure that's the plan nwa basically already is i'm sure ring of honor would be up for it new japan who the hell knows uh the pros have already talked about the cons i don't really see any cons i mean there will be yes impact smaller they get more benefit but is that bad no i think it's good for impact um it could go badly. You know, AEW could just walk all over Impact's talent or vice versa, and that's never going to work. You want to make sure it's balanced. I mean, who wins the overall feud? Does it go on forever? Does it run its course? Right now, it's hard to say because I don't really know what form it's going to take. Um, I don't think there will be a big blow-off match, or maybe there will. I really don't know. Cyan says, do you think Moxley will be a mid-card guy after losing the title? Well, in the same way that Cody is or the Bucks are. So no, still a major star, but just may not be fighting for the world title. But that's why it's really well done because it makes your mid-card fa fabulous because <laughs> you have all these top dudes that could be fighting for the title, but they're not. And Richie says, your match of the year. Oh man, I'm gonna have to sit down and go through everything. I don't know yet. I don't know. It's, um, it's too early to, not too early. It's the right time to do it, but I really need to go through everything. That tag match at Revolution was pretty good. Was it Revolution? See, I need to... I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Uh, D. Brutes did, maybe. Do you think Tony Khan is actually shooting straight with the idea of buying Impact? Could Impact become AEW's second show on TNT? No. Anthem owns it. They're not going to want to sell it. Uh, and also, you don't need to do it. I'd much rather have another show on TNT. I don't need it to be Impact. Like Impact has its own legacy, and it has its own ha-ha, funny-funny ups and downs. I don't think you need to take it in that direction. I don't think that helps the feud. It helps the storyline thing, but I don't think you should do it for real. I don't think that's a benefit. Jordan, what is your favorite wrestling weapon? Well, it's not the kendo stick. <laughs> Probably the chair. Oh, that's a bit boring, but, you know, the steel chair always works. Not to the head. I still get people talking about this. Um, you know, I miss chair shots to the head. I'm like, I get it. I see where you're coming from. But isn't it more important to protect wrestlers i always get into this argument with someone at least once a month and it's like i don't need matches to continue even if it breaks my disbelief you know health is more important always to me i remember that finn Balor samoa, samoa joe match when samoa joe i think it was the one that got busted open and they kept rubbing his head off with blood i understand why samoa joe is pissed off he didn't give a crap but i want wrestler safety to be put first so i do not want to see people get smashed over the head with a chair 
Um, but the chair is always going to be the classic. Uh, Eric says, is the impact ring smaller than the AEW ring or was I hoodwinked by camera angles? Now, I think they all work in 20 foot rings. I mean, they may not do. WCW used to work in 18 feet and WWE's always been 20 foot. So it may have been a couple of feet smaller. Yes, I don't know. I really, really don't. Kevin, everyone says Mick Foley. Mick, uh, everyone says Mick Foley is the nicest person in wrestling, but I want to know who was the biggest asshole you've met. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not crapping over people. That's not my style. That's a waste of time anyway. Like all you gotta do is piss somebody off, and they'll say something about you, and it's and it's and it's back and forth. So no, I don't I don't care about that. Um, I says, how different would the wrestling world be today had Kenny Omega signed with WWE instead of helping build AEW? Would Kenny be a top star in WWE and would AEW even exist? Well, it would do because I think Cody Young Bucks and Tony Khan more than anyone had this idea. Um, it would be still pretty good, but Kenny Omega is a pretty big star and you just never know in WWE. Like nobody thought AJ Styles was going to do what he did. And he managed to do it. It all depends whether AE, uh, whether Vince McMahon got Kenny Omega. You'd have to imagine from his matches that he would. But there's no guarantee of that. I would have thought it was the same with Keith Lee. But at the moment, I'm not 100% on know what he's thinking. So yeah, it's kind of up in the air, to be completely honest. I do think that he made the right decision. I think it's much more... I think... Well, he talked about this in a podcast with the Wrestling Observer. You know, if he went to WWE, he can see benefits because he wouldn't have to have been so creative. Somebody else would have handled his creative for him. But I also don't think we'd be where we are now without Kenny Omega and Don Callis thinking this way. So it would have been interesting. I do think it would have helped WWE, my personal opinion. B, what five wrestling moves you don't see enough in pro wrestling? The atomic drop, that's gone away. Bring back the atomic drop, I say. Uh, the side Russian leg sweep. <laughs> I'm just making these up as I go. But Bret Hart used to do a brilliant one. Uh, somebody should start doing the uh, the Fez press that Steve Austin used to do. I mean, it's so synonymous with him, but people are busting out stunners. Why can't we do that? Um, oh, man, what else? The leg drop. <laughs> I don't see many leg drops anymore. And the final one will be the cross-faced chicken wing, which is kind of what Bobby Lashley is doing. Not really, that's a full Nelson. But bring back the cross... Actually, Mighty Skill... Oh, let's not talk about that. Uh, Alex Macy says, How do you see the Orton versus Fiend feud ending since the Fiend apparently changes people? Alex, what a good question. I don't know. I mean, we've kind of moved away from that a little bit because Kevin Owens and the Fiend fought. I don't really thought, think it affected Kevin Owens very much. I don't know how does it end. I don't want Randy Orton to lose because he just lost, but I don't want The Fiend to lose either because that, that character is already on the precipice given the whole stuff with Goldberg. Pfft, I don't know, man. That's a really, really good question. I don't know how it goes because I don't really get where it's going. So where we end up, I don't know. I mean, does Alexa Bliss do something? I, that's a great... What is, I mean, talking long term, what the hell does The Fiend do at WrestleMania? Because this is his first... No, it's his second WrestleMania. Yeah, second. Of course, yeah, the John Cena thing was this year. So it's his first proper... I, I thought I couldn't remember a match. So it's his first proper WrestleMania in terms of a match. That's a really, really good question. I don't know. And maybe that's one of the things that confuses me about the feud. I'm just all a squibble with it. I don't know which direction uh, it's going to go in. And I think that's it. I think that was the last question. Uh, it was just a bunch of people saying that Impact Wrestling have flubbed it. I don't know what that means. Like, they got more people watching... And oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not going to bite with this uh, with this absolute nonsense. I am very intrigued for all the shows this evening. I think NXT have got a good opportunity to uh, to build a little bit, considering what we saw at the weekend. And of course, who that? I mean, what the hell is Kenny Omega going to do this evening? It's got to be something pretty good now. Does John Moxley just beat the crap out of him? Does Sammy Callahan pop up and save him? Who the hell knows, right? 
Absolutely nuts. I'm excited though, and I'm excited for WWE before people go and start moaning. Like it all. It makes your life a lot easier. Otherwise, thank you very much. Uh, do check out some older episodes if you fancy. Hopefully the titles will let you know what they're all about. Give me a subscribe as well. Give me a review. I always forget to mention that. Still trying to pro- grow the podcast after the issues we had when Apple decided to uh, make two different versions on whatever it was called now podcast i podcast whatever the hell it is apple podcast they made two different versions and it just cut my audience in half because obviously it confused the flipping subscriber base so yeah please do subscribe review try and get it around as much as you can uh patreon.com for simon 316 twitter instagram at simon 316 uh simon what culture wrestling of course if you want to catch me running and raving about more specific wrestling topics as opposed to the general stuff i do on here but otherwise enjoy impact not impact enjoy aw enjoy uh, NXT, whichever you want to want to watch. We've got Final Resolution at the weekend. That's surely got to do all right now. What the hell's going to happen there? Especially because we've got Chris Bay versus Rich Swan, which I still don't get because Chris Bay lost to Willie Mack. Willie Mack should be shot from the rooftops. That's my flipping, you know, that's my flipping uh, opportunity. Anyway, we'll have to see what happens. Otherwise, though, thank you as always for giving me an hour or so of your lives once a week. I do intend to get this back to every, well, twice a week as soon as I can. Got a bunch of stuff going on. As I say this to you right now, my eye is swollen shut because I'm still having problems with that as the flipping corona, I can't talk today, is the flipping coronavirus obviously slows everything else down, but that's obviously massively important. Health and safety first, which ties back to what we talked about earlier. Have a good Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday and Tuesday. I wanted to do an episode about Sting, but I didn't. But if anything big happens, keep an eye on your feed. But otherwise, just enjoy wrestling. It makes it so much easier. (laughs) 